we have this hope. And I, I don't think you guys have hymnals yet, right? In your pews. I'm assuming we're singing it all. Lucas, yes. <laughs> we have this hope. Uh, if you have a hymnal, it's 214. Let's stand. by Rita.
every hour I need thee. Never truer words were spoken or played. Thank you. Debt. 2018. Americans collectively own nearly $4 trillion in consumer debt. I don't think Canadians are probably that far behind it. A big chunk of this debt was credit card debt. The interest payment on such debt servicing alone stood at an astronomical $104 billion. One would ask, why are we borrowing so much? In 2014, a Gallup World Poll commissioned a study asking adults from more than 140 countries some basic questions related to financial concepts, interest rate, compounding, inflation, and risk diversification. Only one in three adults were able to give a correct answer. Collectively, we are becoming a financially illiterate society. In contrast, the Bible gives us very strong counsel when it comes to debt. Don't have it. The borrower is servant to the lender. The book of Proverbs, excuse me, the book of Proverbs warns us. Borrowing robs us of the freedom to sponsor causes that are important to God. Our offering today is for local church budget. Are we able to stay faithful in our giving, or do we have to fret and worry that we are not able to meet all of our obligations due to excessive debt? Something to consider in our planning as we go ahead. Uh, our offering, as you know, is collected at the back. Um, as you leave at the end of the service, there's a box right there that you can place it in. Thank you. It's now time to just kneel in prayer and uh, go before God before our um, the word is open to us. Please kneel if you're able. Dear Heavenly Father, Please pour out your Holy Spirit upon us right now. Give us ears to hear the message that you have for us today. I pray that um, our hearts will be good soil for you to um, grow your will in our lives. We ask that you will bless our church, that you will be at work among us, that you will set us on fire with your love and be willing to reach out to others around us to share it, um, the, share the good news with them. We pray for each person here in our church, but we also pray especially this morning for those that are on our list that we pray for in a special way, um, which is Patrick Beacom and Margaret Sales. We ask that you will bless them, that you will meet the needs that they have in their life. You know what they are. We ask that you draw near to them, that you will give them strength, and comfort. And uh, I ask now, Lord, that you will comfort our hearts for the things that um, we struggle with as well. Give us the strength to be willing and cooperative and turn them into your hands and to be servants for you. I ask that uh, you will be with our speaker now, that you will bless him, that the message that he has to share with us will be a message from you. Anoint him with your Holy Spirit. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. scripture reading, let's turn to Revelation. So we're going to go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Amen. Good morning, church. Happy Sabbath to each one of you. What a blessing to see each other again. It's been a couple of weeks, and I miss you a lot. 
<laughs> and we praise the Lord that we're able to be together today. I have one more announcement. And this one was supposed to be done now that we are live. So if we got any members out in the community today, you will be able to have this announcement as well. September 19, we will have our business meeting here at church at 7 o'clock. September 19, we will have our business meeting here at church at 7 o'clock. For those of you who can't come, we will open a Zoom meeting as well. And we will be sending you that link privately with a code, a password, so you can log in as a church member, so you can be part of this meeting as well. It is an important meeting. We have uh, at least four points in that agenda that we need to discuss. And one of the bigger uh, situations we need to see is uh, the support on our academy, our local academy here in our town. So it is important for you to be here. It is important for our church to be um, connected and see the needs of our community. And I also ask you to pray for our school year. It's about to start this coming Tuesday for all of our kids going into school and our teachers joining uh, their forces on, on educating our kids. The public school will start on the 10th, if I'm not mistaken. And there is a big challenge coming up ahead. Let's keep them in our prayers as well. How to Survive the End Times. That's the title of our message today. And a number of years ago, when I was studying my ministry, I was invited to this uh, church to do a youth revival or more like a youth sermon. It was supposed to be done on a Sabbath afternoon, and I traveled from, from the church that I was helping uh, to the other city. Um, to preach, and there were going to be some social uh, games at the, after the service, and it was a big event. We had uh, at least four congregations together, and we had a number of youth coming together that night. We were on our way back home. I was supposed to go back that night, and I was driving a good three hours to make it to my house or to the place where I lived. And as we were going back, I missed the exit, the one that I was supposed to take on, on the road back to, to the city, and after a, a while, I learned that I was in the wrong direction. So I, I decided, okay, we need to turn. And we were on the highway. And as we are turning, uh, I can see that there is no pavement on that road, the U-turn that I'm about to take. And I start to see gravel road. And it, it was very strange because the highway was uh, toll, uh, toll free or, or it was a... It was one of those uh, highways that you got to pay for it. So then I see that this is a gravel road, and I'm thinking not many people are using this road. So it must not be that familiar for people to make a U-turn in this area. I am with my uh, colleague at that moment and a couple of friends in the back, and I said to them, prepare for what is coming. I don't know what's happening. Just make sure you're okay, and, and, and let's pray. And this is unusual because you're, a, a driving thing is something that you do on a, on a routineish way. You, you hardly think about praying when you're driving since you already know the road and, and you know what to do. But I told them, let's get ready because something is, is not looking well here. And as I was driving around the corner and I was turning on it, I could see a good 10 trucks on the side of the road with men armed to their teeth. They all had AK-47s on their hands. And they were lining up on this side of the road on the left. And as I am turning with my hands on the wheel, I lowered the window and I took my uh, foot off the gas. And I just let the car went by itself. I told them, do not look at their eyes, just keep still. This is going to be okay. And as I'm driving, I could see that the guy, the main guy, I would believe it, because he was the one that approached us. He comes to the, to the window and puts the AK-47 on my head and points me at it as the car is moving slowly. And I see these other guys, they were behind their trucks just aiming at us. And th at that moment, you're hardly breathing, you're not doing anything. I'm just with my hands on the wheel thinking, Lord, I went to preach today. I had a wonderful Sabbath. I've been in your presence, and I am about to graduate my, my fourth year of theology, 
And I don't know if I'm ever going to start doing what I was supposed to start, but I'm putting my life in your hands today. A lot of things go through your mind, you know. A lot of uh, pictures go through your mind at that moment in such a, uh, a small amount of seconds. You think about all the things you did through the day, the week. And then I started, I started thinking about my parents and, and, and my friends and everyone else's family that were kind of connected to us at that moment. And I say I'm driving, and I'm seeing that this guy is not saying anything. He's not telling me anything. He just kept the gun on my head as the car moved slowly, five miles per hour, eight miles per hour. We just kept on going. And as we were going up the hill, probably, I don't know, 200 meters away from them, I pressed on that gas like there was no return. <laughs> I drove a good 110 miles, 115 miles all the way till I made it home. You should see the girls, after those 200 meters, knowing that we were pressing on the gas, they shouted, they screamed like they had never before. All those emotions, you just let them go thinking, I was that close to die, and I'm still breathing. When we're thinking about how to survive the end times, sometimes we come to those pictures thinking, am I going to make it? How is it going to look, Pastor, when I hear about all these uh, plagues coming, all the different conditions of the world? We tend to feel fearful about our lives, and we tend to believe that the, when those days come, who knows what's going to happen with us? Am I going to be there? Will I have enough faith? Will I be there on the number of those who can follow Jesus through everything? Because so far, my faith is not enough. I want you today to please pray with me so the Holy Spirit can talk to us. Every time I come on to you, I tell you, when you come to this place, you come to have an encounter with Jesus. This is the main reason why we're here. Yes, there is a, a number of, of, of projects we can do and, and a lot of things we can work together. But the main reason why I'm here this morning is because I want to see Jesus. I love to see you and I love to spend time with you, but I want to see my Savior. And I wish that's your wish as well. That's also your desire. So let's pray together as we open God's word so he can speak to us according to his will. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the opportunity to be here once again. It's been a tough week for many. We have no idea where everyone has been. But the reason that we are here this morning is because we received an invitation from you. We heard your voice and we came to this place. Now that we are here, Lord, we really want to see you. We want to have this encounter with you. All those people who are looking at through online media, we pray for them as well. Wherever they are, at their homes, their work, traveling, wherever they might be, allow them to feel your presence with them as well. As we open your Bible, may your Holy Spirit come to us and show us the way. Allow us to understand your word in such a clear way that no one goes out vowing about your love and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How to survive the end times. What are the conditions that we're seeing today? Well, this week I was reading through some statistics and, and, and following what the world is saying and the things that are coming. And I found some really ugly statistics, but those are the reality of what we're seeing. A few months ago, a number of pastors were asked in their congregations how they would see their churches through the pandemic and after the pandemic. And a good 85 to 90% of them said, my congregation will survive this crisis. We are very confident that our church will stay. A few days ago, the same survey was given to them by uh, the Barna Group, which they do statistics through a lot of Christian churches, not just Adventist churches. And they said one out of, out of five churches will not survive the pandemic. One out of five will close their doors. For never to be open again. Although we have seen a number of people going online now. 
to follow their, their live streaming, the sermons and the different uh, preachers that are online, we also have seen the decrease of people coming to churches. Whether the church has enough space or not, there is a good majority, and this is an, an, a study that it was done this past days, the good majority of Christian people believe that coming to church is not vital for their spiritual life. Accepting Jesus or showing themselves as followers of Jesus is not relevant anymore. This is the condition that we're seeing today. Coming to church is not just an appearance every weekend. It also shows a connection. It shows also a, 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 a need to develop fellowship, but also a connection with Jesus. Now, one might argue, Pastor, but I have church at home. Beautiful. Keep on doing it. I encourage you to keep on doing that as well. But do not let that take over this. Since we all need each other. And we need to support each other. But the truth is that in many Christian societies, and I'm not just talking about Adventist people, Christian world, one out of five churches will not survive due to the lack of income, due to the lack of commitment. And it is interesting that this statistic said number of people were not feeling that church was relevant to them before the pandemic. So right after the pandemic, that was all they needed for them not to show up anymore. Isn't that interesting? When we think about this, the end times, we tend to believe that there will be a, a, a beast, there is a mark, there are conditions happening with the sun, with the earthquakes, with the hurricanes. All that is important. Those are signs of Jesus' second coming. And I am sure of that. But this is also a sign of God's return. The condition of the church and the way church sees the need to be together. On that statistic, they were mentioning the problems that we're seeing today. And we're talking about the money issues, the, 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 the money conditions that are going to happen right after the pandemic are not going to be even close to the mental situations that will arise from it. Our church has also the need to connect and to socialize. To establish that friendship that is well needed nowadays. People are lacking of time with each other. We are the most connected society, technologically speaking, but also the loneliest when it comes to be emotionally connected. And this is why... A topic like this is such a relevant topic for today. How to survive the end times. How can I survive this condition? And when I'm talking about survive is because we know that sometimes our fate is just hanging on the last thread. On the last message. On the last song. And most of the time we tend to say, man, I'm going to church this Sabbath, but if nothing relevant happens there, I don't think I'm going back anymore. Or I haven't been to church these past weekends and no one has ever noticed. No one has called me. No one has said anything to me. Am I relevant to them that much? Because we talk about winning others, but what about our own? What about keeping our own? And I can think of different families and different individuals that I have in my head and I'm praying for them. But it is a work that it needs to be done by everyone. And this is something that it is telling us we are definitely living in the end times. Now, there is a church that portrays this image. And I'm not here to tell you how bad you are and how much, how much you, you, you're not doing what you're supposed to. Because, boy, our life already tells us that every single day. The world keeps on telling us how bad we are on every move we do. Whether you do something good, people tend to say that that was such a bad thing you did. And whether you do something bad, people will say that you were bad as well. I tend to see this hashtag now online a lot. More love, stop the hate. There is so much hate. And, and people are just 
happy to, to, to outburst to say those things. I was following a class with this psychologist from Chile, and she conducted a study with high school kids and, and university kids. And one of the things she found out was it was easier for an individual to say how much he didn't like or hate that other person through a, a, message, a message, a text message, or Facebook, or WhatsApp, or Messenger, than by seeing each other up front, face to face. And she had this case of this woman, this, this, this individual, who said a lot of things to this other girl, and when she put him in a room, said, can you please tell her what you were just saying online to her? The first thing she said is, I can't do it. And why is it that you can't do it? You were just able to write it. She said, because I'm going to see her eyes, and I'm going to understand how she feels. When we see each other, and when we understand each other, then we understand the conditions that people are. It's not easy for us to say those things. But online, everything is being said nowadays. Everybody is an expert. Everybody knows how to do things. Everybody knows exactly what the church should be doing or the community or the school or the government. And boy, we have so many PhDs around. How to survive the end times. These are the conditions that we're living where everybody knows and no one is allowed to be wrong. Well, there is a church that basically portrays this image. And God gave us a clear picture of it. So when that time came, we would have the antidote for it. We would have the right tool to go in the right direction. So I want you to open your Bible, please, with me. And let's go to Revelations chapter 3. You might say, there you go. Now the pastor is going to say something about Revelation. <laughs> I've been keeping myself from Revelation these past weeks. And a lot of people, I believe, they have wondered, why is the pastor not preaching about prophecy? Let me tell you, I believe in prophecy. I believe prophecy is needed today. But I hope that once we open this book, and once we see what God wants to say to us, we can see prophecy in a broader way, where Jesus is the center of every single aspect of the prophecy. Jesus is the center of revelations. Is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's where I want you to focus your mind today. Because we, for some time we have missed the mark. Somehow we have preached about all the single events that are happening around. And what the Pope is saying this Sunday. What the Pope said last Sunday. But what about Jesus? Where is Jesus in that equation? So today I want you to please... Have your glasses on to see how Jesus is talking to you and to me. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 and on. Now we're talking about the Laodicean church. You know what the Laodicean church goes through. You, you've, you've read it before. You have studied about this and you have heard about this. And I'm not going to go in the history of it because there is so much and 40, 35 minutes won't give me enough to, to explain everything that is going through in this chapter. But I want to focus in two or three con concepts of it that are really important for us to, to follow. The Laodicean church. What is the condition of the Laodicean church? What are their needs? How do they look to each other? How do they appear? How do they smell? How do they wear their, their clothes? How do they dress? Well, according to the Bible, this Laodicean church seems to be not only arrogant, but it seems to know everything. It seems to, 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 to see that they don't need anything from God. It starts by saying, And to the angel of the church of Laodiceans, write, This thing says the Amen, the faithful the tr and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. And let me tell you, whether your works are good or not, God knows them all. There is nothing you can hide from God. There is nothing goes on this earth without God noticing what is happening. God knows what you do. And this is something that I want to, to stress a little bit more. Because sometimes we tend to believe that nobody notices what I'm doing. Well, let me tell you, God knows your work. And if God knows it, the universe knows it. If God knows what you're doing, what a wonderful thing it is. Although he knows how bad I am, 
He still loves me. Although you do good things, he knows them. But pastor, no one said thank you. I'm sorry for that. But God knows your work. Sometimes I get to see people serving here at church. And I tend to, to, to get the chance to say thank you for what you're doing. And sometimes I don't see it or I just don't notice it. And it really makes me feel bad when people don't understand that it's not only about what we see, but what God sees. And if God knows what I'm doing, that's enough. Because we're working to serve God. He says, I know your works. To this church, when he approaches this congregation, it's not the best positive way that we might see. But again, we're living in the end times. Therefore, it is necessary to speak in such a way because there's no more time left. It's either you change or you change because there's nothing else after. So I would expect that the message for the most critical times would be something like this. Would be something that would be necessary to make us change or to wake us up. And to this church he says, I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. The ambiguity that we see today, it's amazing. <laughs> In order for us to have lukewarm, we need to have some of those that are really hot and some of those who are really cold. So in a sense, this is good. Because we do have some really hot ones and we have some really cold ones. And in between is the average of us. <laughs> the lukewarm. And I'm not going to dwell so much on it. Eventually we will be able to cover more on this topic. Because I want to keep on going and, and, and following what the verse, uh, the verse is saying. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say... And this is what the church says. And, and, and this is where probably one of us could, might see ourselves fitting into this description. It says, you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. I do not know that you, and, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, Poor, blind, and naked. So what's the biggest problem this congregation has, this church has? What's the biggest issue they have? Is it because they're rich? No, being rich is not a problem. Is it because they're wealthy? No. Wealthy has nothing to do with it. In fact, God can use our richness and our wealthiness... To provide for others. To help others. So rich and wealthy is not the issue here. What's the issue that they have? Don't feel the need. I have need of nothing. I don't need anything. The statistic says. That a good majority of Christians. Are saying today. Church is not vital for me anymore. I can go on my own. There's a number of people who are saying, well, God works, but my good deeds can also help. I mean, I've been doing this all my life. Yes, God has been there a couple of times, but the rest has been my work. I am where I am because I am committed. I am disciplined. I have done my part. And karma does good for us. Have you heard that? There's a good amount of people who believe that this concept of following Jesus is not vital anymore. The condition of the church of Laodicea is that they believe they have no need of anything. When God comes to this church, basically he tells him the biggest issue you have is that you don't understand 
that the biggest need you have is me. And, and when we talk about sinning against the Spirit, this would be the sin against the Holy Spirit. Blocking yourself from knowing how much you need God in your life. And I tell you, that is dangerous. Surviving through the end times means that you know exactly where you're standing. And how are you going to make it to the other end will mean on who you're depending on getting it. And the problem that we have today is that we are so dependent upon ourselves that if we need God, we'll call Him. But if not, it's okay. We can keep going on church the way it's been for the past 50 years, Pastor. And it's been working. And what God tells to this church is, let me tell you the condition. Now, for a number of years, I would picture God being upset, being angry, being uh, with this fury in his eyes saying, I'm going to vomit you because you're lukewarm. And all I would feel myself would, would be like, well, what else can I do? I want to go to the cold ones, but then I feel afraid that consequences might come. So I don't go to the cold ones. Because you know what happens when you go to the cold side. Things can go really wrong. But then I don't want to go to the hard ones because that's commitment. And when it comes to commitment, I want to commit, but not that much. I mean, it is important for me to come, but why so much? It comes to the point that they are almost to the point of being fanatics. Those people that commit themselves to it, man, they, they struggle a lot too. I'd rather stay here. I have a nice shade. I have a comfort spot. Let them take the blame and let them do the work. I just rip the benefits. <laughs> this is the way I would picture God at some point thinking to me, but I'm going to vomit you. And I would see God with fear in his eyes. But lately, the Holy Spirit has impressed me to see God in a different way. And I want to share this with you. Because now God comes to this people, to this church, to us, and tells us, look, I need to help you. Because the biggest thing that you have is that you're blind. You're not seeing your condition. I, I wish you could see it. I wish you were able to actually see the way you are. And I tell you, our society has helped us to put so many masks upon our faces that we hardly recognize ourselves when we are alone. We put so many masks upon ourselves that when we are at home looking in the mirror, we hardly recognize the other person who's there. We tend to believe so much about what others say about me, what the media is saying about me, what my friends say about me, what the church, what the community, what the school says about me. What about what God says about you? We are so worried about the optics. We are so worried about the community looking at us. And how are they going to see us? Let them see Jesus in ourselves. That's what they need to see. I am so worried sometimes that they might see me. It's hard for us to see each other sometimes. It's hard for me to see myself. But when Jesus comes to us and says, Listen, the real issue here is that you're blind. The condition that you have is blindness. And who would have thought in an era of technology, we wouldn't be able to see? In an era where we have everything in our fingers, we wouldn't be able to see. Wasn't that a condition of the church when Jesus came? That he was able to present God himself before them and they couldn't see him. And they would ask him, Lord, show us the Father. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And in their minds they were just like, whoa, what is he talking about? The condition of the church. Now... How are we to survive the end times? 
I want to focus on one remedy that God gives us today. On the following weeks, we'll continue with this. So you cannot miss the next Sabbaths. If you're planning to go out, you've got to stay connected online as well. Because this is important for you and for me too. God opens up and says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire. And he continues to say that you may be rich. And white garments that you may be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Anoint your eyes. For a number of, uh, of weeks, we have preached about the importance of the Holy Spirit in our church. And when I go to Revelations, I can see that in order for the church to be ready and to survive for the second coming, the church needs to see. It needs to have open eyes. In order for you to know what's coming on the latter days, you need to be able to see. But the only way you will be able to see, we said it two weeks ago, was by having a lamp and oil in that lamp. In order for us to see what's coming to this world, we need to have the ointment of the Holy Spirit in our eyes. Now look how important this is. Because to this church, Revelation 3.20, God comes and says, I am at the door knocking. But let me picture you this image. Maybe you haven't seen it as I hadn't seen it before. If Jesus is knocking at the door of this church, would it mean that Jesus is not in the church? In the previous six churches, each church had the light stamp on the church itself. When you read Revelations 1 verse 18, you will see the description of the Son of God, how he has the seven stars and he has the seven elders or the seven angels. And every lampstand where he walks among it's the light of every church. And a lamp in the church means the presence of the Holy Spirit within the church. But it's to this church that God says to them, I am at the door knocking. If you let me in. The biggest issue that we have in the end times is that church has become about everything but Jesus. The biggest problem we'll face today is that we know this preacher and we know this preacher and we know this guy and we know this other guy and they all say wonderful things but I do not know Jesus in my heart. And that's the biggest problem we'll face when it comes to surviving. Because it has to do with the relationship with Him. And once again, God tells us, open your door for me. See, the vaccine is coming and the mark of the beast is coming and maybe the economy might collapse and maybe we'll see new currency soon and all these beautiful things that are showing us that God is coming again. But the biggest concern for God in his book is if you open your door to me. Surviving the end times has nothing to do with setting aside a bank account in case things go wrong or, or going into a, a very specific bunker where no one will reach you. Surviving the end times doesn't mean that, that you don't get prepared already. Yes, you have to, to some extent. But the biggest issue that we have as human, it's our heart. It's our pride. And in order for us to survive that, we have to give it to God. And the only way we can do that is if we open the door for Him. 
And when I read this, I said, wow. Is this, as my son tends to say to me, is this really true? That's the word he uses. That we could be preaching and doing church for a number of years, a number of times, without having Jesus in the center. You see, for a number of years, as pastors or leaders, we would have somewhat of an issue. And I'm not saying this is a problem, but I know it was at least where I was working in the past 10 years. When you would preach about the Holy Spirit, people would say, Pastor, be careful because you're getting too close to, 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 to the evangelical world where they all preach about just the Holy Spirit. So be careful with that because we don't want to get confused with them. And for a number of years, our church preached about prophecy, 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 and we lacked the topic about the Holy Spirit. This is in my own experience. I don't know about your experience, but that's what I've experienced during the past 10, 15 years. Growing up on the church, I would get pictures on my mailbox about a beast and dragons and all these faces and that was what I grew up as an Adventist knowing those pictures not exactly knowing Jesus knowing those pictures knowing those events and I'm not saying this is wrong but it has to have a right context on everything it has to have a right balance in everything and for a number of years I learned the beast and I learned the horns and I learned uh, the eyes and I learned everything of them but I didn't know Jesus. And if you look into the evangelical world right now. They're still preaching about the Holy Spirit. But they move on to the next subject. Or the next topic. Everything they do is about Jesus. And I am concerned that our church is not preaching enough about Jesus. That we might feel that we might get confused as well. But the truth is that once you receive the Holy Spirit, the only way where he points you to is Jesus. There is nothing else. And I pray to God that if he's not knocking on our door, it's because he's already in. But if today God is knocking on your door and is telling you, allow me in, it's because he wants to dress you he wants to to fill you in he wants you to recover your sight he wants you to have the right priorities I was visiting a member and I hope I know he would be okay for me to say this but I was visiting a member and and I felt very impressed by his words because this member is facing Basically, he's about to face the last days of his life. And he handed me his report and says, Pastor, look at this report. And it's almost a two-page report saying all the bad things that he has. And all the conditions that he's going through. And my question was, how is your faith? Because when we come to end times and surviving the very end, it's about where my faith is standing. And I said, how is your faith? And he was honest with me. And I believe I would be the same way he is. At some point, Pastor, I feel that my faith is not enough. And in my heart, I said, Lord, what would I do when I get to that point in my life? Where I know I only have days left. What would I say? And what I did next was to bring him to Jesus and say, Jesus is the one that will sustain you through it. No one else will do it. There's nothing you can do in your own experience that will keep you through those times unless it's Jesus himself carrying you with him. And I hope everyone in our church has that view of who Jesus is. Because the biggest mistake we could make is being here for a number of years and not knowing who we're following. But pastor, you need to speak about the wrath of God and you need to speak about the consequences. Those consequences, the world shows every single day the consequences of sin. I don't think I need to speak about them too much. 
Just look around and see what's going on in this world. The consequences every single day of our actions. But I need to speak to you about what's coming. And what's coming is beautiful. Jesus has prepared a, a place for you. For those who overcome, he says, for those who listen to me, to whom, to him who overcomes, I will grant you to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. This day, the spirit is still talking to us. And he's still saying to us, this is the way. Do not get confused. Do not get distracted. All of the things that you've seen on the news. Man, I believe a lot of people might know Dr. Bonnie Henry more than Jesus today. People are more acquainted with Bonnie Henry with what God is saying. And I often wonder, when we plan what we do as a church, the first thing we need to ask what the government says. What? Since when do we need to ask the government how to lead the church? And I'm not saying that we're going against what, what the rules are saying, what, what the government is saying, what the land is saying. I'm not saying that. But if our main focus is not Jesus and His Word, we are in another place. It is time for us to go out to reach others. But before you go, make sure you know Jesus yourself. I am at the door knocking. When I picture Jesus knocking on that door, he gave me that conviction to know that he wasn't in. And if Jesus is not in, I don't want to be there. If Jesus is not in the church, I don't want to be in the church. But it's to this church that Jesus comes and says, I'm knocking at the door. Interesting. The church became so... Acquainted with programs and projects and, and plans and, and, and all this development. That at some point we end up kicking Jesus out of it. It is time for us to not just think about the church but at home. We, we might be so acquainted with work and, and school and plans and, and bank accounts. And all the good things that we're doing. But could it be that we have also put Jesus aside? Maybe in the barn or the garage or somewhere else thinking, yeah, he's good there. Well, today, God once again comes to us and says, I am at the door knocking. There will be a day where he won't be there knocking anymore. And I hope that when that day comes, it's not because he's gone, but because he's already in. Dwelling at your home. Dwelling in your heart. And when Jesus is at home, what a wonderful place to be. When Jesus is in the church, what a wonderful place to be. There is healing. There is comfort. There is vision. There is work to be done. I am amazed of the things that God is about to do in this church, in this community. Because we have understand that we cannot do anything without him. And we have understand that it's on him that this will succeed. It is not about the pastor. It's not about the elders or the lay members. It's not about the good plan that we're getting now from different ways. No. It's about the dependence on him. I encourage you today that if you hear his word, do not turn your eyes away from him. It is time for us to accept Jesus as our Savior. Pastor, but you're telling these Adventist people, what are you talking about? This is not a, a, an evangelistic campaign. Oh, let me tell you, this message is not for, for the world. It's for the church. It's for its own people. It was for the Jews and the Greeks, the believers, that this letter was sent. All of us, at some point, have get distracted. Well, it is time for us to get back in track. It is time for us to get back in track. Whether you come to church or not, whether you're able to be online or not, wherever you are, God has a purpose with you. Do your work where you are. God will use you and God will bless you. I am not married with the building. 
I do understand that at some point this building is not going to work anymore. Let it be. God will show us where to go and how to get things done by then. But in the meantime, let's not forget about each other and support each other and keep praying for each other and understand that we're not alone on this. As you're walking in this path, so is Ted, so is Norm, so is myself. And every one of us is struggling with different issues. No one is better than anybody. We're here to help each other. We want to support you. We want to help you. If you have ever felt that your faith is not strong enough and that you're struggling right now, come to this place. Here's where you're going to find some warmth and even some hot. Therefore, I encourage you to let the Spirit work in your life. If the community talks, my biggest prayer is for them to say, those are followers of Jesus. Somehow they are doing something for the community because they're following Jesus. God is good. And God is coming again. Jesus is coming. The end times are here. If you were expecting to see the end times with war and bombs and all that, yes, you can see it on the news, but maybe you're not seeing it close by. Let me tell you, God is here, and also Satan is doing his work. We thought about the shaking, and we, for a number of years we said, well, when that time comes, maybe we're going to see a declaration from Rome saying this is coming, and now everybody's going to get serious about it. Well, the truth is that it didn't happen that way. Very calm, very silently, very peaceful. People just out of nowhere stop. I'm, in, I'm impressed of how things have developed and how quick they have. But this is not for you to be worried or alarmed. This is for you to know that God is coming. And as I said before, what we're about to see is God working in miracles here. Different things are going to start happening. God is going to use whoever wants to be used. You don't need to have a PhD. You don't need to have a degree. You don't need to have this type of knowledge. All you have to say is, Lord, here I am. Use me according to your will. If this is your desire, and if you are listening to his voice today, knocking at your door, and you want to open that door, please raise, uh, stand up with me, and let's have a word of prayer today. Asking God, to come and dwell in his church, in our homes, in our families. Heavenly Father, thank you for not leaving us the way we are. But for sending your spirit to mess with us. To shake us. To wake us up from the deep sound sleep that we sometimes are. The end times are here, Lord. And our biggest need is to know you, to know who you are. Paul used to say, I have given everything away just to know Jesus. May you allow us to have this encounter with you, Lord, in such a way that we cannot take our eyes away from you. Bless the families that we have here today, every individual. The community, our online community, that they may hear your word and see your character being reflected upon us. That your glory might shine. Lord, help your church. Because we really want to see. May your Holy Spirit be with us today. As we open our eyes and as we ask and wonder, where do you want us to start? And how can we get this going? We ask you, Lord, to please forgive us. If by somehow we have kicked you out of our lives. Today we ask you, Lord, to please be the center in our hearts. And give us the right direction according to your will. This we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
closing hymn is number 245, More About Jesus. 245. Jesus about Jesus, Lord. What a wonderful thing to do. Less about ourselves, less about thinking of us, and more about you, more about your love, more about your work, more about your presence in our lives and our hearts. Bless each one of our church members, Lord, that today, as we go out, we can have the assurance that Jesus is going with us. And he will be with us even till the end of this world. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you have done for us. Thank you for your mercy, for your forgiveness, for your sacrifice on that cross. For believing in us. For giving us the assurance that with you. We can do things that are impossible to men, but are possible to God. Work in our characters, Lord. You know each one of us. 
And you know the needs that we have in our hearts. Today, we place our dependence and our trust in your hands. Understanding that this is the only way we can survive the end times. Knowing you, knowing the Lamb, following you wherever you take us. May you lead our church that way. That when people see us, they might say, surely they have been in the presence of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.